first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Okay, welcome to another John and Todd <laughs> Monday night therapy session. And I am doing this without headphones because I wanted to be festive. See my ball? And I want you guys, hey, Linda Wilkins, tell me if my sound is okay because I'm using the speaker instead of headphones and I don't want any echoing. And if there's echoing, I'll, I'll change it real quick. Ugh. How you doing, Todd? Oh, I'm exhausted. I'm here, though. I made it on time. You, you. <laughs> Todd and I usually show up a few minutes early just to discuss what we're going to do. This time we didn't. Todd showed up 30 seconds. Uh, well, he was he I was, was uh, he was late. I was uh, I was out in Kearney all day today, and then I uh, was in Holdridge at the end of the day. So I beat it down the interstate to get here on time just to join all of you folks from Holdridge, Nebraska, home of the dusters. You are seeing a lot, you know, uh, Carney. Yeah, yeah, you're not allowed. I know there's a sign. Yeah. John Johnston, just, stay out. Yeah, not no, no, don't go to Carney. Um, okay, what we got going on? I got a, <laughs> well, 30 seconds into this, and now the dog is all upset again. You know, um, a, a lot's been going on with Nebraska athletics in the last week. And well, this, uh, you know, quite is, a this bit. is why I wanted you here, because you're paying attention. Well, okay. So I don't know what particular order we should take all of this in. Let's say. Well, wait a minute. I, look, I'm festive. You're festive. Okay, so what, what do you want to try do? to get organized? I'll try to calm down because I was like, "What the hell am I going to do if he's not if he's late and you know, I'm by myself?" I want you to tell me your favorite Christmas song. My favorite Christmas song? Yeah. Uh, Same for all you commenters. What's your favorite Christmas song? Let me think. Um, I I'll tell you what. I'm I'm kind of into uh, "Oh Come All Ye Faithful." I think when you get a choir going with that. Um, and, and, and some timpani in the background, uh, or hark the herald angels sing those two. I don't think you can beat those two. Linda says silent night. I was, <laughs> I was going to go with like Santa Claus is coming to town by Bruce Springsteen and the well, East Street okay. band. If you, you know, would have said what Christmas song performance is my favorite song. Yes. Yes. And then there is, uh, oh, come on, it's the Kinks, Father Christmas. Every time I hear that song every year, I think of Mac. So, 
Kingsley Gibbons says, Oh, Holy Night. These are very nice songs. James Marshall says, Carney is a nice town. Uh, James, I got my face beat in there one New Year's Eve by six guys that threw me on a couch. We all met up at the hospital later. (laughs) It's a story. When I go back to Carney, it gives me like PTSD. (laughs) Donnie Hammond is with Silver Bells. That's a nice, lovely song. Yeah. there, nobody's with Grandma got run over by the angel, by the reindeer. By the angel, reindeer. By the angel, by the reindeer. Everybody's probably sick of that one. Uh, I I had three things that I was going to use to waste time until you showed up. Well, let's waste some time then. Uh, living in Omaha, David Mann. He says, "Hail Varsity," which I assume is a Christmas song. <laughs> well, hey, Andy Williams, the Christmas song. Well, Fong Way. I lived for three years in the hometown of Andy Williams, Wall Lake, Iowa. I knew his sister-in-law, and he came there one summer and rode in a convertible through the parade, and it's like disappeared. I don't understand. It It must have some kind of magic properties to that convertible because all of a sudden it was there and then it was gone. And, you know, Andy Williams, they have drawn, they have put more attention on him, you know, hometown, Wallach, Iowa. And I'm not sure that guy has ever given two cents back <laughs> to Wallach, Iowa. So there's my Andy Williams. Aaron says, Todd is echoing on my, we'll, get, we'll, put, we'll try the headphones. Okay. Ah. Uh. You're right. Older people were do. My grandfather used to call it Iowa. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, that should I should have the headphones on, the speakers off. <sighs> the other thing I'm planning on doing without you, Scott Frost nipping at your nose, and Roger Moore. Very good. Maybe he should have stopped at the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Frost nipping. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd probably be appropriate. Did you see where he's going to coach some game with against Houston Nutt? What is it, the Senior Bowl? Like All-American Bowl or something yeah. like that, yeah. Okay, that's enough of that. I was going to start out because uh, if you weren't here or didn't show up, I was going to start with the Purdue game. Yeah, you were pretty excited about that game. I was following your comments on Slack. I, I wasn't watching the game, but fill us in on that. I mean, shoot, they take who is now the number one team in the country. Take him to OT, had opportunities to win the game. Um, yeah, fill us in on that. Well, I think the the thing about it is, you know, I thought, okay, it's Purdue. I mean, Purdue, for God's sakes, has depth. And they, they have that Edie kid that's seven foot five. I don't know how you play basketball against a seven foot five guy. He's just a giant. And he, I think he's won the Big Ten Player of the Week now three weeks in a row. But the thing about me watching that game is I think we got down by tw- 10 twice. And, and we got down, and I thought, okay, well, here it is. You know, they're going to run over us now. And then, you know, we battled back. And then we got down by 10 again, I think, in the third period. Or Wait, they only do halves in this, don't they? <laughs> they we got it. We got down by ten again, and I thought, okay, you know, their depth's gonna wear us out. Their shooters are too good, and and we just battled back. And again, just like beating Creighton, I think it was what was shocking about it was the team had confidence. The team didn't. 
they didn't lose themselves. You know what I mean? They, I mean, Derek Walker playing against a seven foot five figured out how to at least score some points. Keita got into it and got into the game. I think these were really two very good games for us to play early in the season. Even though we're 0-2 in the Big Ten, they were really good games for us to play early in the season to get Keita some, you know, here's the Big Ten experience and against Purdue, again, the best team in the nation now. Uh, their lawyer guy was really frustrating. Uh, I just, I, I guess I was surprised. It was really a shame that we didn't win. I mean, we didn't make our free throws. That was a big deal. Purdue didn't make their free throws either. I think the biggest key to this game was late in the game, you could tell that Nebraska was really getting into Purdue's head because they were missing shots. And I think somebody posted that we're the only team to hold them under one point per possession this season. Um it was a really good game. We just didn't win it. And at the end of the game, I think that, you know, the last play of the game, uh, you know, the officials expected Nebraska to foul. The kid got, got wild with the ball, lost the ball. You know, the Purdue people could argue, there's a guy arguing with me on Twitter, that yes, it was a foul because he somebody pulled his shirt. And I looked at it and I'm like, you know, basketball fishing drives me crazy because you get these guys beating the shit out of each other sometimes and there's no calls and then you get some ticky tacky you know you touch the guy and it's a call and for that call to be made at the end of the game at that point in the game I get that they were anticipating Nebraska fouling but for that call to be made then was really I don't know it was unfortunate because the game was really good and I, th I felt like it did bail Purdue out, even though, you know, we did have our, our opportunities. So, well, you know, John, I, I um, one of the uh, things on my list to do before I bite the bullet is to write a book about all of the reasons why I hate basketball and it sucks as a sport. Um, wow. And one of the reasons I'm not going to delve into that. I mean, you know, I, I could do a, 437 part podcast. Um, but one of the things that is so frustrating about that game to me is that, and, and this, I'm, I'm not saying there's crappy officials, but it is an incredibly difficult game, in my opinion, to officiate. And you're right, you know, something that looks like a ticky tack foul, you know, gets called, and something that looks like a mugging that would result in an arrest if it took place out on a city street, you know, is let go. I just don't understand every doggone play, uh, every time up and down the floor. If an official wanted to, they could they could blow their whistle and call a foul. And it, 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 it is. It's an amazingly difficult game to, to officiate. Uh, I saw the video replays, the slow-mo of that call at the end of the game. You know, I thought you had to have possession of a basketball in order to be fouled. I mean, I kind of thought that was what it was all about. But nonetheless, what, what we take away from that is that, A, our team did not fold. They yeah. played to the last buzzer. They took who is now the number one team in the country into overtime. They had opportunities to win. Now, what's going to happen between now and the end of the season? If this team can play together, play for each other, which has been a difficult thing for Nebraska teams in the last few years, if they can do all of that type of thing, 
you know, we might see Nebraska do some good things at the end of the season. National championships are not decided. Conference championships are not decided in December. No, I, you know, I, I, I want us to have a good basketball team and for uh, really selfish reasons. Well, I mean, number one, I, it'd be fun to have a good basketball team. But number two, uh, I mean, I've been running coordination now for like, I don't know, what is this, 16, 17 years? It's really hard to keep football content that's interesting 365 days a year, and that's what people expect. I mean, now we do YouTube, and it's, you know, I get it. The Omaha paper, the Lincoln paper, they're kind of the same thing now. I mean, they write articles about everything that happens, and I just, I, it's not interesting to me. I mean, Matt Rule got introduced at the halftime of the Purdue game. He said, we're on a mission you know, it's not just a job to us. We're on a mission. And you know what? That's really nice. And he speaks well. And he's good to stand up and listen to. But I can't. If my bullshit is just, it's out, Todd. I can't just, I can't do more bullshit during the offseason. Yeah, okay, you're on a mission. Just win some games. Oh, my God, it's not for nine months. So yeah, if we have I, a good I basketball. You. If we have a good basketball game, team, I mean, it's it's at least alleviates some of the pressure there for putting out gobs of football content, even though that's what everybody wants. Well, I'd love to see a good basketball team because I am a Fred Hoiberg fan. I've made no bones about that. I I think he's an outstanding coach and an outstanding human being. Um, And so I hope that he he is successful, but you know, I want to see a good men's basketball team. I want to see all of the sports in Nebraska, you know, uh, succeed, but a kicker on that, is, um, you know, there's nothing like a Nebraska fan. And I think what is often overlooked, you know, at least by the national media, they all talk about Nebraska football fans, you know, and there are some people they want to pat themselves on the back, greatest fans in the country or whatever, whatever, whatever. Honestly, though, there is something about Nebraska sports fan that is unique. Nebraska fans will show up. They will show up and they will support the team. And, you know, they they just love competition and they love to see um, their teams do well. So, um, you know, I'm 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 hopeful. I really am hopeful um, because apparently, you know, I'm kind of like Linda and I, I can't wait until pitchers and catchers, you know, show up myself. That's my second sport. You know, and maybe it's my first sport, but um, yeah, let's let's get this basketball team. Let's get them in the win column. Let's let's have them playing at a high level at the end of the season, so we got something exciting to talk about. Oh, okay, commenters, you did you guys all see that uh, the Matt Rule line about the we're on a mission thing? What did you guys think about? And what, well, somebody I said I- mission impossible. <laughs> yeah, Blaine Cole says, I hope that it's not Mission Impossible. That is, yeah, that is true. I, Blaine Cole also said, uh, Shatner Claus, the Christmas album. I did not know that was a thing. Although, I am a member of a Dr. Demento Facebook group who they constantly post songs. If you know who Dr. Demento is, uh, they constantly post songs that William Shatner should have never recorded, but he did anyway. And Linda Wilkins, uh, regular, says, John, ticky-tacky, is that a technical term or an industry term? You know, when I say ticky-tack on Twitter, 
uh, people do know what I'm talking about. So, I mean, Tiki Tack is, you know, I just, a guy touching stuff. I know they have hand check fouls in basketball, but you get like two guys under the basket beating the snot at each other, and then one barely brushes a guy's arm, and it's all of a sudden, oh, my God. Uh, Chris Crawford has, says, the key to being a content Nebraska fan is to have no expectations. This is very true. <sighs> Oh no! Yes, it no, is. no. You just, you, just, you just lay back, man. You just let it happen. Uh, just let the universe happen, Todd. Uh, John, do you have a response to that? You have to have expectations. No, man. You can just like do. Oh, dude. That's what drives the engine, man. Expectations drive the engine. Yeah. Yeah, they drive. You know what they drive? They drive mental health into the ground. That's what they drive. No expectations up, results down. in the University of Iowa football program. That's what no expectations looks like. Todd, we do not make the decisions about who. I mean, we maybe think that we influence the decisions about who the coaches are, but we don't really. Well, okay. And – Gargon, whatever, just said unreal expectations ruin everything. Yeah, unrealistic expectations. Okay. I'll go with that. But you still have to have expectations. Oh, just chill. Just chill. I'm going to accept whatever comes our way. Yay. Whoopee. Oh, another loss. <laughs> You're one of those guys. Are you always one of those guys or just tonight to counter me? No, I think I've always had pretty realistic expectations, but I'm certainly not just. Uh, yeah, well, Chris Crawford, how old are you, Chris? Twenty years. <laughs> Chris Crawford says twenty years of failure has beaten the expectations out of me. He's got a point, Todd. He's probably maybe he's just like you know, the dude. Hey, man, there's a beverage here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been around for those same 20. He's 48. Well, Chris, Chris, yeah, you can remember 19. Well, we're not supposed to say that anymore. Somebody said there should be a ban on any references to the 1990s. And I think that we get over, you know, that we, yeah, that's in the past. That's history. Yeah, we, we got to, you know, John and I and Chris and some of those people who got to experience the 1990s. Yeah, our teams were really, really good. And I don't feel bad at all for you people that are younger than us that haven't had the <laughs> opportunity to experience Husker glory. You know, tough toenails, tough toenails. You just grew up wow. in the wrong era. It happens. Jeez, please. <sighs> not having expectations for the – you got to Where are you at right now? Well, my wife just walked out and told me to quiet down. <laughs> are you in a hotel room no i am i'm at home oh okay i was worried that you were in a i don't know like a rest area or something people are gonna come after you <laughs> let me tell you that rest area that episode that was i i do not want to i do not want to repeat that um the smell of the bathroom just about knocked me out combined with the diesel fumes that were also coming into the yeah yeah Oh, we we bought a new car this week. Well, not a new car, but we bought it. We got a new vehicle. You get yourself a Jeep? Did I, is, did I read we that? Did, right? We did. We bought a 2017 Grand Cherokee Jeep. Yeah, Cherokee, Cherokee. 
Cherokee, Cherokee. something like that. It, well, you put them together. Yeah. But that's because like two weeks ago, I got into our tank, the 99 Ford Exposition, and uh, the fumes were so bad, I thought my wife shouldn't be driving this. It, it didn't smell like Iowa poop, though. But it was bad yeah. enough. And it's, it's, it's kind of a nice car. It's got some get up and go to it. Uh, <laughs> Michael Lawson says, John, please make room on the bed for your dog. You know, the thing with the dog is she gets up there, she gets down, she gets down, she moves around my feet. She goes out and winds up my wife outside the room. She wants back in the room. She's, it doesn't matter what she's doing. <sighs> oh, my God. I should, we'll, you know what, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to, but I didn't mean to click on this. Let's come I, back I, to I, it. We'll, we'll come back to this later. Uh, let's see. You know, should we address this whole Nike Adidas thing? Well, apparently it's important to Jack because he's brought it up a few weeks in a row here. I mean, he, he does have a point that all the teams that actually win are wearing Nike. <laughs> you don't think it's that big a deal? Todd, Todd is aghast. We'll, we'll move on. I look like Todd is having difficulties. It doesn't matter what flipping little logo is on your shoe. Linda Wilkins says this will be my last visit for the year. We're heading to Virginia for Christmas. We'll be gone two or three weeks. Uh, other people, what are you guys doing for Christmas? I am actually going back to my hometown of Curtis this next week, and it'll be the first time I've gone home since I was dead. I've been to Lincoln, but I haven't uh, been to Curtis, and it should be kind of interesting because it's probably going to explode my brain. But anybody else doing anything exciting? What are you doing for Christmas, Todd? Oh, we already uh, did this. You're going to go see some kids. and Yeah, I'm going to go see kids this coming weekend, then we'll be with the whole family the following weekend. So kind of spreading it out. You know, I do want to say something. About shoes. About shoes. About shoes. When you and I were on the campus of the University of Nebraska. Yes. Back in the early 1980s, the varsity team wore Nike shoes. And the freshman team wore Converse football shoes. They wore two different pairs of shoes. Now, Nebraska wasn't winning any national championships back in the 1980s. Okay. Wearing Nike shoes. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should seek some kind of sponsorship from Pony and bring back Pony shoes. Pony? Pony. P-O-N-Y. Pony. Why, yeah. why pony? Why not? I don't remember. I don't remember what shoes I was wearing. <laughs> Do you remember what shoes you were wearing in the eighties and nineties, Todd? I remember the first pair of fancy shoes I had were a pair of red, uh, red Adidas, and then I had a pair of purple Cons. Yeah. 
Converse? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Right. Okay. I'm off this whole brand name. Red okay. Ball Jets. I do. I had PF Flyers. And if I could find a PF pair of PF Flyers like I had when I was a kid, I'd be in them tomorrow. David Matney says, does the Corn Nation merch store sell onesies for babies? Not yet, but as we move into this offseason, uh, I'm going to figure out what we're doing with that. I would be talking to Pippi. We'll be redoing the website. The uh, deadline for ordering stuff to get it in time for Christmas has passed at CobbyCorn.com uh, because stuff is print on demand and, and it takes a bit for them to deliver stuff. But we'll be figuring a, a lot of this stuff more out in the future as we move on through this experiment that is YouTube. Uh, okay, Todd. Mike Leach. I'm Mike heartbroken. Leach had, Mike Leach had a medical emergency yesterday. I, I assume that everybody that's watching this knows who Mike Leach is. Mike Leach is one of the most beloved coaches in uh, college football just because well, because he's, you know what? He's an oddball and he's a guy that has his own mind and he speaks his own mind in an era in which everybody is always, I, you know, they're always into coach speak. They don't really talk a lot about anything outside of football, whereas Mike Leach has always been, I don't know, a breath of fresh air. Plus, he's kind of a madman. I mean, he was a lawyer and then he became a football coach. And he's become an interesting football coach, you know, with the air raid and stuff like that. He, as far as we know, had a medical emergency yesterday. We, we're not 100% sure what that is. There's been reports that he had a heart attack, and then they said that he had seizures with that and has a brain injury. Um, I, you know what? I, I, the whole he had seizures with it, I, I don't know. I, nobody knows. You know, I'll be honest with you. When I tried to figure out what happened to me during my heart attack for like a year and a half, I thought I had a seizure and fell on the floor. And really all I did was slump back in my chair and then they laid me on the floor and tried to figure out what was wrong. But so uh, the last word we have on Mike Leach is that he was put into hospice care or a, like a comfort care situation. Uh, I guess, I'll, you know, I could say this. Over the years, I've talked to a lot of heart attack survivors since I've had mine. I've tried to be an open book to other heart attack survivors and brain injury survivors. Uh, every one of them is unique. Every injury, people try to kind of compare the stuff, but it's it's you know it's always up to the individual and how it affects everybody is different. So, I you know other than that, I think that everybody is pretty much heartbroken about what's going on with Mike Leach, but. And, and I guess we'll wait to see, you know, I, you know, I, I know that my wife was told that he was in God's hands and given that kind of speech. And I know that they didn't really expect me to make it through the night when I had my heart attack. So who knows what's going to happen here? And I don't think, uh, you know, I wasn't supposed to be here. I can tell you that. So maybe there's still hope for Mike Leach. You know, Mike Leach has been one of my favorites for years, for years and years and years. And I've, I've always have been, you know, kind of attracted to those guys who are the characters. And when you think about, you know, when you look at the history of college football and, you know, when people start referencing, you know, some of those memorable and great coaches, 
you know, a lot of them were kind of quirky. A lot of them were characters. And yeah, you know, it seems today that um, every coach kind of approaches things the same. Um, they're pretty saccharine in the way they deal with the media. You know, they, they watch what they say. Um, you know, they're very careful um, in, in how they present themselves. A lot of coach speak, like you said. Um, and, and it's in some ways, it's really difficult to even get to know some of these guys. And, and the majority of them act the same way. You can almost pick one up and put him off to the side and plug another one in and you get the same thing. But Mike Leach, you know, he, he was, he, he's truly a, a character and he's truly his own man. And, and, you know, I, I love that about him. And, you know, just the same way that, you know, you've had coaches in the past, you know, Bo Schembechler. He was never afraid to say what, what was on his mind. Um, John McKay, you know, out of USC, some of the funniest, some of the funniest things that ever came out of a coach's mouth came out of John McKay's mouth. Um, you know, I used to love Jim Walden up at Iowa State. Not a very damn good coach, but, boy, he was entertaining as hell. And Johnny Orr, for that matter, is the basketball coach, and he did win games up there. You know, those, those guys that are kind of true to themselves, that don't worry – about, you know, what people are going to think about their comments. You know, who do we have left in college football that's got a little bit of a flair? You know, uh, Harbaugh at Michigan, he's – but people call him a flake, you know, uh, when he right. when he speaks his mind. Um, but Leach was also incredibly bright and, and uh, um, you know, he, he also, you know, not only as a football coach but off the field too. And – I read something about him today, how, and I guess as the educator, this is what, you know, maybe um, draws me to him, is that he was forever learning. And, um, you know, it was like each offseason, he'd pick a theme, and he would just dive into that to learn as much as he possibly could. You know, they call him the pirate, because for a couple of years, he was absolutely obsessed learning everything he could about pirates. He, he studied the, the migration patterns of the Apache Indian tribes, you know, I mean, just stuff that's way out there. And I can't think of anybody that'd be more cool to sit down in Key West, you know, at some bar there than Mike Leach and drink a beer and just listen to that guy talk. Um, I, it will be it will be sad if if Mike if Mike Leach doesn't pull through. And even if he does, maybe we've seen the last of Mike Leach on a sideline, too. Yeah. John Brandon says our prayers go out to Mike Le Coach Leach. Uh, I can say this. I know there's a lot of people that think the thoughts and prayers thing is silly, but, you know, when you're in that situation, you'll take whatever you can get. I can say that for sure, you know, having been there. Anybody, uh, the families, whatever, they'll you really can take whatever support you get. I'm going to answer this question just because Brando Sports World asked, John, when you were clinically dead, did you have a near-death experience? Uh, no, I did not. I had so many people ask me, uh, did you see a light? Uh, I got I got tired of it, honestly. What I remember is I took my glasses off. I had really what I thought was bad heartburn. I laid my glasses down on a table. And then the next thing I remember is I woke up in the hospital and my entire body was a bruise. And I was trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, I will say that my dear death experience was that death was incredibly peaceful. Uh, for two or three months after I came back... Uh, Got out of the hospital, 
started trying to figure out my life again, which was a mess because my memory was so bad and I was such such a screwed up person. Uh, I didn't tell anybody that, you know, people were like, we're still glad you're here. We're glad you made it. And I was kind of like, I don't really care because death was so incredibly peaceful that it, I felt like it was a black hole. It kept calling me back to it. But that's that was my experience with it. I know that isn't the sports part of it that everybody expects, but, you know, that's what happened to me. And I guess, you know, when people ask me about it, I try to be as honest as I can. It did take me like two to two and a half years to actually find out what happened to me when I died because the people around me weren't ready really to talk about it other than kind of joke about it. And uh, it was difficult going through that with them and reliving those moments with them because they... You know, it was trauma for them, too. It wasn't just trauma for me. It was trauma for my wife. My children had to go through all this stuff. You know, the, my coworkers had to try to figure out what was going on with me while I turned blue on their floor. So, you know, trauma can be shared like that. And I guess that's that's what I'd say about it. <clears throat> you know, I just uh, I just want to I just want to toss something in there real quick. And, you know, I think everybody here, I mean, we wouldn't be human. If, you know, we hadn't experienced loss and experienced death of someone close to us. And, and you know, sometimes uh, it's more traumatic uh, than others. And um, what, I, what I can say, you know, relative to John and, you know, being nearby when this, when this happened and, and uh, visiting him a couple of times that he had absolutely no recollection and no memory and still to this day, does not remember, you know, that we were there and communicating with him. Um, that, that really kind of um, puts a lot of things in perspective. And when, when he finally was, I don't know if the right word is lucid, <laughs> coherent, um, you know, when, when, when a lot of his, uh, uh, when, when he was functioning fairly well, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's an incredible, um, it's an incredible experience and coming to grips with that. And, you know, John, John has, has brought me along for the ride ever since that's happened. And we've had a lot of conversations and he's shared a lot with me. And, and I can tell you that, you know, John, uh, it is, is just wonderful to have you here and have your perspective. Um, I, I will say, <laughs> I, will, I will also say that, um, you know, with, with Mike Leach, um, college football is better because of Mike Leach. And um, let's, let's uh, whether you believe in, in the power of prayer or not, and there are people that do, uh, keep him in your thoughts. Keep him in your thoughts. Syncope. Do you know what that term is? I have no clue what syncope it is. It is when you poop so hard you pass out. I was there that day. Is that not what I explained to you in the hospital? I don't yep. remember any of it, but I did go back and, and went through all my notes and I made my cardiologist go through all the notes. I didn't even remember what that meant. How the hell I could explain nope. it to you? I have no idea. I was there. I was there. I, I, we got to the hospital about an hour after that happened. And you were so delighted to give me the definition. You asked me, how do you define syncope? <laughs> didn't have a clue then. And you were so delighted to explain that to me. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, my God, we should move on. Yeah, we better. Uh, Linda Wilkins, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. 
okay, we're going to move on. Let's see. You know, in a lighter note, Fong Ray Reldman says primetime going to have a full roster of five-star guys. Congratulations. I don't know about that. We'll see what happens. And then Roger Moore says update from Colorado. Dion is freezing here. Although, also, they don't serve grits with breakfast. He won't last a year. <sighs> it's going to be know, interesting to. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Deion Sanders. Deion is not going to have a roster full of five stars. He's going to get. He, he's going to get some five stars. He's going to get some five stars. But he is running off everybody that's already at Colorado, and for him to have any semblance of a team, you know that. With 75, 80, you know, let alone 85 players there, uh, he could really, really struggle um, to to have that kind of a team. And I don't care if he has 15 five stars that come in this year. Uh, 15 players are not going to win football games for for a program uh, in in their first year like that. So um, Dion's got an uphill battle. Is he the, you know, we, we already had this conversation. Is he the right coach for Colorado? I think so. I don't think he's approaching <laughs> the way that I, I would, I would expect uh, him to at this point in time, but you know, nonetheless, it will be real interesting. We got him in the second game of the season and uh, that's exciting. Okay. Lonnie Kittleman says recruiting news now. Uh, you know, the recruiting is picking up. Yeah, uh, I've I've tried to pay it more closely attention to recruiting so I can actually do the show. Plus, uh, we have Akilo Roberts who writes on coordination and does a lot of our recruiting stuff. What did we pick up? Well, oh my God, we picked up three well, guys today. Apparently, we have a new philosophy. We're we're recruiting guys with no stars. It just you know I looked at that. I looked at this. Okay, we picked up this running. I wrote this article, and I have to go back and look at what I wrote. It's how bad my memory is. Um, Quentin Ives, who came to us out of New Jersey, I believe it was. See, we 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 did three of these articles today, so we got three guys. But this Quentin Ives kid, a six foot three, hundred eighty pounds, uh, Paul Myra High School from Beverly, New Jersey. You know, I looked at this and I was, you know, when you're doing this and you don't pay attention all the time, you don't live in it, you go out and you go, okay, how many stars does this guy have? This guy isn't ranked by anybody. I yeah. mean, he had, he had offers from Monmouth and Stony Brook and I think maybe Temple and Yukon. Hey, I remembered those. Well, if you don't but, pay the money to go to their camps and get a star, then you don't get a star. That is true. But, you know, I did post the article with his uh, video, and I think was really, there's a few things that's weird about this kid. Number one, he's six foot three and 180 pounds as a running back, which is kind of, I mean, he plays receiver as well, but six three as a running back, and, and let's, you know that he's going to get into Nebraska strength and conditioning. He's going to get 20, 30 pounds run, put on him. So he's going to be a six foot three. 210, 215 pound running back in a year. And when you watch his video that is on the Coronation article, he just outruns everybody. And he's one of those guys that doesn't even look like he's running. Yeah. He's got those long strides and he just gets to the outside and then he does some inside runs and he runs over everybody. You kind of look at that and go, is he playing against really crappy competition or is he that good? And then we picked up another guy, uh, whose name I love, 
and I'm going to butcher, but his first name is Sincere. I mean, how can you go wrong with a guy's name, his Sincere? Sincere Safiuela. He is a cornerback at IMG Academy out of Bradenton. Uh, three stars, but I mean, he's at IMG Academy, and anytime you get into IMG Academy, you can't, you know, you can't be nobody and get into IMG Academy. So, uh, let's see, who else did we get? We got a Juco Pash rusher. I didn't do this article. Uh, Kalo did this article. Kai Wallen. So, we got a, a uh, I hate the term edge. But that's, you know, that's, well, that seems you know, to be the thing now. Rule, Matt Rule has been successful because he develops players. And, you know, he brought in the first commit was some guy that can absolutely fly down the track and uh, probably had more offers to run on track teams than he did football teams. And he did the same thing at Baylor. He wants speed. He wants athleticism. And, you know, he's got the confidence in himself and in his coaching staff that he's going to develop these guys into football players. It's a developmental program. Trev Albert said that's the kind of coach that he wanted to bring in. That's the kind of program that he wants to have at Nebraska. You know, and Nebraska fans, you know, they want a winner. And a lot of Nebraska fans were very positive about Matt Rule being the guy. But now all of a sudden when Matt Rule starts assembling his coaching staff and doing some recruiting, you know, people, Nebraska fans seem to know more about a developmental football program than Matt Rule does. At least some of them do. So, you know, Let's let's let the guy do his job. Let's let the season get going, and and we can we can evaluate him when when his team is out on the field next fall, rather than what? being a chair. We have to spec. We have to do mad speculation, Todd. That's what we do. Well, yeah, without yeah, setting I, any expectations. <laughs> Peace, man. <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting to see recruiting picking up, though, because, you know, it yeah. seemed like, oh, God, we're, you know, I think we're still one of the lower rated classes in the Big Ten, but we only have 14 commits. And if you go through the list uh, that, you know, the, the recruiting agencies rank, you know, who's where Nebraska has fewer commits than a lot of other teams. And that's to be expected with a coaching change. Um there's still time, you know, it'd be yeah. nice to make sure that we time. get. There's 8 now. million players in the portal to sort through. It's going to take some time. Uh, Blaine Cole says, save the mad speculation for cryptocurrency. It's reminding me of me losing my money with FTX. Thanks, Blaine. Uh, <laughs> okay, we did that one. Uh, David Matney says something very useful for us. Everyone to remember to give John and Todd a thumbs up. If you're uh, on YouTube, could you please hit the like button on our videos because the YouTube algorithm goes, hey, they like this, and then they spread us further and wider. Um, Linda says, John, is that what you were in your prime? I'm not sure what she's referring to. If she's referring to somewhat of a madman, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, Joel Tilson, has anyone hired Scott Frost yet? Not that we know of. Not that we know of. I mean, There's been a couple right. couple comments about Matt Rule. Has he been recruiting harder than Frost has? And, and you know, it, it's hard to tell. You know, it seemed like when Frost was new and each year that Frost was the head coach, you know, there was a lot of recruiting news and that type of thing. Um, 
it, I, I, I'm, I'm speculating, but my guess is, is that Matt Rule is a lot more engaged himself than Scott Frost was engaged in the process. Um, you know, there was a lot of recruiting being done by Frost's assistant coaches and by his, you know, recruiting team. Um, everything we've heard is that that was something that, that Scott uh, did not prioritize for himself that much. Um, and Matt Rule, I mean, Jiminy Christmas, you know, he's been all over the state of Nebraska and, and, and further. Linda Wilkins says six foot three and 215 pounds. I uh, know I've, I've never been over 200 pounds in my life and I'm certainly not six three. Uh, I hit hard for a wiener for a, you know, a tiny guy. No, I don't know. We're not going there. Blaine Cole says for someone who knows nothing about it, could you explain the scouting recruiting process? You know what we're going to do? We're going to table this. And we're going to answer this later on a show that's, you know, more conducive to the offseason. Because I could probably make up answers because, you know, years ago, year, you know what, years ago, 2009 through 2012, we actually put out a yearbook with Maple Street Press, a company that went out of business. And I ended up uh, doing a lot of the recruiting stuff for that. And I ended up talking to high school coaches and recruits. And it was a very, I thought I'd hate it and I didn't hate it. But I think that that process because of nil has changed quite a bit. And I'll tell you what, I, I would like to go actually talk to somebody about that. Because I mean, it's got to be more, way more complicated. You know, it was come to a camp, we'll look at you, or we'll hear from other coaches. You got to see this guy. That's where the coaches' contacts come in. You know, and then you go see the guy, and you go, "Hey, that guy's uh, really fast, and he can run through guys." And you know what? I think he should be a center and not a tight end. You know, well, that kind of stuff. The evaluation process, and I, I agree with you. It's a, it's a conversation for another time, but um, the evaluation process starts. At a, at a relatively young age when, and, and these guys have to get out to camps. I mean, they have to go to camps to get noticed. That's what it's become. It's no different than summer league basketball. If, if you want to get recruited to play at the best, uh, the best schools in the country, the big schools in the country, you're going to have to make that commitment. There are very few players that are going to get noticed uh, just sending their huddle film in from Friday night games. It's, 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 it's a big, it's a big deal. Oh my God. My, my brain is farting. Who did we just hire as a defensive coordinator? Uh, uh, White. Isn't his, White. Uh, Tony, White. Tony White. Okay. The big yeah. thing now is everybody, you know, when I go around social media, I, I see people saying the three, three, five, and everybody's freaking out about the three, three, five. And, oh, my God, we can't play in the, the Big Ten with three down. It's incredible how many defensive experts there are among the, the Nebraska fan base. How many, how, many true, how many people truly understand all of the techniques and all of the strategies involved with these defenses and stuff? I, it just blows my mind. I, it's incredible. I don't understand why we wasted our time bringing in Tony White from Syracuse when we have people living here in the state of Nebraska that know more about defensive formations than a guy who coaches at a Division One school. I, I, I don't get just, You are just cranky. I'm wound up tonight, damn it. <laughs> what, did you do too much Christmas shopping? 
Oh no! Too, I much, done too much eggnog already. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, we've said this before. I've said it before. I know that three, three, five. You know what? Depending upon the situation, you're just you're. So much of football is situational now. That's why we have a position called edge, is because we have a guy who might come in on certain downs or against certain teams and be used as more of an edge rusher than just a pure defensive lineman. So we're not always going to have three defensive linemen. We're going to change it up depending upon what the situation calls for. It, it really comes down to are you going to have an even number of guys down or are you going to have an odd number of guys down? Yeah, really. You know, a three-three-five. Most of the time, most of the time, you're going to see four or five linemen down anyway. You know, they're going to call it a three because you're going to have basically place three interior linemen between the tackles. That's what you're going to do. And you know, so people are worrying too much about names. It's just like if we're not going to run the eye anymore, we, we don't run the eye anymore. We need to run the eye, power eye. You know, Todd, I am getting concerned with the lack. We have not recruited a fullback, and we, we, I think we have, we have fourteen guys, I think, in our recruiting class, and there might be two offensive linemen. Shouldn't we need more like, offensive linemen. Shouldn't ten of them be offensive linemen? At least. <laughs> I I would yeah. hope we start picking up more offensive linemen soon, just because you know. Otherwise, I'm going to start setting expectations, and they're not going to be good. <laughs> okay. What else do we got? Well, you know, we have one thing we haven't commented about is the volleyball team. Well, I was um, just, wow, you read my mind. Yeah. Um, volleyball team played a, a, a pretty damn good game against Oregon. Unfortunately, they came up on the – on the losing end of a, of a five set game. Uh, then Oregon turned around and pushed Louisville a bit and uh, eventually Louisville beat them. Uh, frustrating for Nebraska because this was a team where there were a lot of expectations going into the season. Uh, yes. the team, you know, I, I heard uh, somebody on talk radio today say, is it possible they had too many players, too many quality players that they couldn't find where people fit? And it seemed like outside of a, of a period of time, I mean, when they played a Big Ten series out on the road against Purdue and I think Maryland on that trip, that was about as good as that team played. And they were firing on all cylinders. Um and, you know, but but it just seemed like the whole year they never found the groove. And whether it was whether it was tinkering with, you know, a, a one setter offense or a two setter offense and and, you know, all of that. Um, and then I think I think the death blow for this team was when Kinsey Knuckles uh, was lost at the end of the season. And she was such a, a significant player in the backcourt. This volleyball team at Nebraska this year, it lived and died with its defense at True. the net and in the backcourt. And removing her from the backcourt and then having to have someone, either Lindsey Krause or Allie Batenhorst, play the full rotation. That was a change that Nebraska did not have time you know, to, to get good at, if you will. 
to play to play at their at their peak. So frustration. I think more surprising, you know, from a volleyball standpoint, John, is there's no Big Ten teams yep. in in the Final Four. So we have Louisville, San Diego, Texas, Boo, and then Pitt knocked off Wisconsin, and I wept when Wisconsin lost to Pitt. I did. I cried in my bathroom. I didn't. Yeah. I yeah. immediately this morning I got on my chat with one of my customer sites where my Wisconsin guy is, and I said, "What do you think of that?" And then he didn't respond. I don't know. He gave me a response, and I just was like, "Yeah." You got well, me. are you are you going to pull for our team, or is volleyball over for you? Oh no, I you know I I I'm going to pull against Texas. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you put 13 people in a room, they won't always pick a leader, but they'll always pick somebody they hate. And that'll be yeah. Texas. Yeah. yeah. Even if even if they're 13 people that, are, you know, they don't even have the name Texas, you're going to look at them and go, fuck you, you're Texas. I hate you. There you yeah. go. But so turn, 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 coat corn huskers. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, Louisville with Danny Busboom. Is it Danny Busboom Kelly? It was, I don't know if it's still Kelly. I know there's Busboom there. Okay. Well, to me, she'll always be Danny Busboom. We can root for her. And then Beth, when we were on the other night, made the point. She liked San Diego. And she also made the point that no woman has ever won a national title in this sport. And I was actually thinking of having to write an article about, you know, maybe why it would be important for a woman coach to win this. Is um, San Diego coached by a female? Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know anything about Pitt, but Louisville, San Diego, I guess either of those teams, you know, I'll be for them team. Those, I, I'd like to see Danny Busboom win something at Louisville. That'd be different. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull for those two teams, and then anybody but Texas. So, uh, Joe, Joel Tilson said Purdue lost their coach. I did not know that. Yeah. He went I know to the Minnesota. What? He went to Louisville. He did. The football coach. Oh, Purdue. I was thinking volleyball. He thought Purdue lost their volleyball coach. I didn't hear anything about that. He's right. Jeff Brom went to Louisville. That is a different sport. That's football. I was all freaked out there. Minnesota announced a new volleyball coach about who I know nothing about yet. Um, let's see what else we got up here. Okay, David Matney says, what is up with keeping Riola, the offensive line coach? Oh, I did a video about this, David. And, I, you know, I don't know. I really don't. I guess, you know, you look at it and you kind of go, I hope that Matt Rule sees something in him that uh, we don't know anything about or we don't see or we aren't experiencing. I guess my concern from him, I mentioned earlier that, I uh, I wish we had more offensive line commits just because I don't know. We don't have an offensive line that worked the last four years. Well, so it'd be kind of good to get some guys in there going to start developing unless he's going to take the existing guys. Remember, we had a lot of underclassmen and actually developing them. So, well, and, and uh, I tell you, I think, the more the more I've read into this, one, you know, okay, a lot of this is just rumor and speculation or whatever. But one of the things that we heard was that 
he and Scott Frost had a falling out before the start of the season. So Frost hired him as a new coach, brought him on, and then something happened, and the two of them got crosswise. And so then one has to wonder, okay, what kind of an effect or impact did that have on ultimately the product on the field? Um, and, you know, when, when you coach a position group, your job is to coach that group to meet the needs that are demanded by the offensive coordinator. And maybe that just didn't jive. Maybe, you know, Scott Frost got crosswise with him. Maybe Whipple had some different philosophies than what Rayola had. I mean, you know, they just brought these guys together from all, you know, different places. And the sum of the parts wasn't as, you know, didn't, didn't create a good, good final product. So maybe there is something with Donovan Rayola, um, with his skill set, and and maybe there are things that he didn't show. And you know, one of our comments over here, and, and maybe he just didn't have the talent to develop. But he's going to have to develop the talents there. That's there. That that that's what it looks like. I'm not sure we've had more than one offensive lineman enter the portal. They're all coming back, and as John said, we don't see too many of them coming in. Got the kid from Scott's Bluff coming in and got the kid coming in from prep. That's all that I'm aware of. I think that's it right now. Blaine Cole says, how would you rate the state of the Nebraska running game? Poor. Yep. I mean, you know, we haven't, we don't know what it's going to look like next year. We don't even know if they're going to run the ball. They're probably going to, you know, do the air raid thing. And people have freaked out. But, uh you know, I I think the good thing is, is we do have a lot of running backs. You know, we haven't really, now that you mentioned the portal, I mean, the portal's been open for a bit, and we haven't seen a mass, mass exodus of players. We've lost a few, but there really haven't hasn't been, I, honestly, as many as I thought there would. I thought the position group that suffered the most is kicker. <laughs> That's true. Three. Yeah. You know, Casey Thompson is not gone yet. Uh, none of the quarterbacks have left, have they? We haven't heard that. No. You know, running backs, Jacquez Yant is in the transfer portal, but uh, nobody else. Yeah. Garrett uh, Nelson hasn't entered. Right. Uh, receivers, who have we lost in the receiver? We've lost guys that nobody knew about. The coldest crosser. Uh, the coldest Crawford who didn't play, and then we lost. Uh, Is there a Brian? Yeah, another guy that really didn't play, and nobody knew who he was. And, and this Gould kid is a defensive back. Apparently, yeah. he had a lot of yeah. promise. And yeah, the biggest loss is Houseman yeah. and Ernest Houseman. Now, has he committed to Iowa, or is no? It Not that we know of yet. Well, if he does. Go to Iowa. <laughs> yeah. I think when he gets off the bus next year in Lincoln, people should pelt him with ball bearings, batteries. <laughs> Everybody oh. wants to wish these guys well. Well, I'll wish them well, but don't go to Iowa. Don't go to Texas. <laughs> Crying out loud. You're going to throw batteries at a guy? I probably won't because I can't run away from the cops. <laughs> there, that is the worst thing about getting old, isn't it? 
This is one of the reasons why I always, when we were young, advocating people not wearing their pants around their, you know, they're low on their butt. <laughs> Yeah. And always tying their shoes because I would look at them on my dorm floor and say, listen, you sons of bitches, at some point tonight, we're running from the police. And I know that I'm going to outrun you fuckers with your shoes untied, shit like that. So, you know, it is important to have good fashion to keep yourself ready to always bolt away from policemen. Thanks. And if you I want to. Nice there's a noise going off. Um <laughs> sure what that was i think my phone got angry about me saying that um <laughs> we should move on we were advocating violence and okay yeah. anyway uh I, we're at an hour yeah i'm not yeah. sure what i'm gonna do i'm gonna leave minnesota thursday morning drive to lincoln i think stay at my sister's and then go to curtis and on sunday i'm supposed to have a get together with my family in Curtis or part of my family. And then uh, on the way back, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to take some time and meander around. So maybe I'll you. see you. Well, I'll be here on Thursday and I'll be here. Well, I'll be in Lincoln Thursday and Friday. Oh, well, maybe we should get together for lunch. We'll maybe figure we it out. Maybe we should. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Linda Wilkins says he might just be playing the nil pool. And that, that is the thing about that, about why you would why would you go to Iowa? Because they're not going to offer you a lot of money. I don't think they have a lot. And that would that'll be something we should investigate during the off season. It's kind of trying to get a handle on not just what our nil situation is, but the nil situation of our opponents. You need to put your ear to the ground. My ear to the ground. Your ear to the ground. Okay. It's a private investigator phrase. I know you, you, it's metaphorical. You don't actually have to put your ear to the ground. No, I used to watch those Westerns. They put their ear on the railroad track and they could tell exactly how far away the train was. I used to do that when I was a kid. It was a long ways away always. All right. Uh Blaine Cole says, cheers for another entertaining show. Catch you on the next one. Thank you. Next Monday night, I don't know where I'll be doing a show from, but, you know, I will have a laptop with me, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll be back. We will. Honestly, we don't have a whole lot else to do. <laughs> you know, Todd, I do, I, I've found myself in a quandary lately. Since I quit drinking, I don't know how to respond to people in some situations. For example, tomorrow morning, I am going to take our 99 Ford Exposition, which is a complete, total piece of junk, over to my mechanic, who says he has a buyer for it. And I'm going to look at him and I'm going to go, what is this worth? It's got to be worth like 100 bucks. I mean, it does have big, good tires on it, so maybe they're worth something. But I, I used to... You know, in that situation, I used to say to people, eh, give me a hundred bucks and a couple cases of beer, but I don't drink anymore. And I don't know what to, you know, how do you, what do you do? I, if you can't use alcohol as currency, I don't know what else is left in life. I don't either. I'm going to have to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good night, Todd. Good night, John. <laughs>